Hello and welcome to the DPMBA podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boff, Mr. Boff, my man. How are we? I'm pretty good. You've just been educating me on Binley Mega Chicken, <laughs> uh, the latest viral internet sensation. Yeah. Um, it, it was giving me chicken shop date vibes. Like, I've heard of that, but I don't know what it is. It's this, this, uh, this woman named Amelia de Moldenberg or something. Anyway, I first became aware of her because she interviewed Timo Werner from Chelsea mm-hmm. Football Club, affectionately known to me and my brother as Timmy V. Uh, and she just interviewed him and, and he was like, she's asking like, what's your favorite food to cook? And he's like, oh, I don't really know how to cook, but I do just cook like uh, spaghetti with tomato sauce. She's like, do you mean like a pasta sauce? And he's like, no, nah, just ketchup. <laughs> anyway, Timmy Vernon's a freak. What, millions and millions of pounds? Well, he's just like, yeah, during lockdown, I just ordered out every day. Yeah. And it's like, Tim, you got it. You got to take care of the rig. Isn't um, Kevin De Bruyne like a home chef and all that shit? And he's got his own like, he is, video? He is a home chef. Yeah. Does, does he, he have a home chef? No, he, doesn't he like make his own stuff? I don't know. Because maybe he's like having a dig at Timmy V then. Maybe. I think I, I swear I've seen for, for no good reason um, Kevin De Bruyne just cooking for his kids and it's like some really nice meal. Well, we mean no good reason other than feeding but why, why kids am I seeing it? No, but why am I seeing it on Instagram? Yeah. I, I need to be seeing warriorisms and You've been Emma sucked Stone. into my algorithm. You've been sucked yeah. into the British Instagram yeah. algorithm. Our phones have been too close. And yeah. Well, you're, you're gonna, it's going to bleed your way as well. You're yeah. going to get a few Emma Stones up Most, there. Oh, I, I, need, I don't need any more Emma Stones. <laughs> Most cooked shit happened recently. Just like another, you know, it's not like an isolated experience. Everyone will have had the same experience, but it irked me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Moving into a new place soon and um, in the division of bill paying, like who's going to have what bills registered to them, I'm taking the water. So my mate... I'm a, I'm a water boy as well. Yeah, what, carrying that water. Uh, my mate texts me saying... Can, like, can, can you come over so we can sort out the Yarra Valley water? Mm-hmm. Facebook, 10 minutes later, Yarra Valley water ad. And it's like, yeah. that's A, that's quick. B, didn't message on Facebook. Obviously, that's gone through, the, gone through the phone. Like, yeah, bad. Anyway. I, um, I had a similar experience last week where my mate was showing me, like, he's a big skater. And he's showing me, like, this every year Globe brings out this just, like, Pantone skateboard with like a, a different hex code and he goes oh look at this like this year's colour was like grey like it's pretty stupid but it is you know simplistic and I'm like oh that's really cool like you know I don't skate but I'm like whatever like it's it's a cool idea I go back down to my computer this is at work I sit down at my computer completely different scrolling through Facebook and I get that exact board mmm there's a um, man this is real podcasting there's a good Simpsons meme Simpsons memes I feel like have been making a bit of a resurgence recently <laughs> um, where like they just obviously just take a situation and change the text but yeah. it was like life is better now that mega corporations take our private information and sell back to us the very products which they were eavesdropping about <laughs> and it's like yes that's terrible that's the worst anyway just to bring it back full circle before we actually talk about basketball because this is a freaking basketball podcast Chicken shop date is done by this girl, Amelia, and they basically go to like a chicken shop, which is essentially just like the chicken version of Binley Mega Chippy, <laughs> rather than being a fish and chip shop, it's just like fried chicken. Mm. And and they just do, she puts them on YouTube, which I don't watch them on YouTube, you know <laughs> that, I watch them on Facebook or Instagram, because uh, it's in the algorithm, but you would have no doubt heard, and listeners too, the Louis Thoreau yeah, rap. That's the first one. Yeah. So so he did that on like one of his more obscure documentaries. Yeah. And then she says to him, "Do you remember? You don't. Please don't tell me again. I hear that like twenty times. I'm not going. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Do it. Um. But he's. She says to him, "Do you remember any of the rap? And he just does the rap. And then yeah. from that, that has spawned like the TikTok. Um. And, and social media phenomenon. So she's popping off meals from um, Chicken Shop Day. To think that she started out interviewing Timmy V about ketchup on tomato, on pasta sauce. Yeah. And she's a bit, like, she's a bit of a wacko. She's kind of perfected, like, uh, like the, the Zach Galifianakis between two ferns mm. and even, like, soft Eric Andre style where some of her guests are, like, not 100% sure what's going on. They're like, wait, are you being serious? Or are you like taking the piss out of me or mm. like yourself? And the guests are like 
sometimes pretty obviously a bit like un- uncertain, mm. which is refreshing in the era of hyper manicured managed interviews <laughs> to see a famous person visibly a bit uncertain about what's going on. Mm. It is refreshing. Uh, speaking of refreshing, <laughs> it's actually really nice just to like <clears throat> hear you, you know, YouTube agnostic Dante, just yeah. describe things that we all see on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> at large. Wait, so is, that, like, is that, is that, is that? Yeah, there's, there's a few, there's okay. a few shows like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, people have been pushing back on just the, the interview style for, for a while. Okay. Um, but it is, like, it is, is nice. To, it is nice as, you know, channel nine consumer goes on YouTube <laughs> once. No, I give, I give myself, uh, 14 to 20 minutes of YouTube every week when I watch uh, when I watch All Caps NBA yeah, yeah. with Jason Concepcion. Uh, and even then, you always just look over at the bloody Minecraft but to, players. But to be honest as well though, like if we are being legit, when I'm studying, which I, for the last six months, uh, really for the last two years, really for five of the last six years, have been doing quite a lot of it. <laughs> when I'm studying, generally I'm listening to either like techno bangers like mm-hmm. something really like like really no f- no words as well yeah well, some of them have not not like lyrics like yeah, maybe yeah. There's, there's a word thrown in here or there <laughs> sometimes I'll be listening to like some soft indie rock uh, I've been absolutely banging the new Alt-J album and uh, a 2010 album called The Fool by Warpaint which um, Undertow off that album is 100% going to be my number one song for the year when Spotify rap comes out <laughs> in December but I digress. I have been, when I'm editing what I've written, yeah. I find actually listening and enjoying the music to be distracting. Yeah. So I put on something that's like as plain as I can possibly get. And there's this beautiful series of albums from this Japanese man called Takashi Kokubo, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's essentially just like classical music, but like you just, it's almost like weather, like environmental theme. So like he'll do a whole album, 50 minutes where it's basically just gives you the vibe of like sitting by a running stream. He'll do another one where it's like spring is like blooming, like the greenery is like, it's like it's the, the snow is thawing and the greenery is coming back or like an autumn leaf, like mm. slowly drifting down. Anyway, listening to that a lot. And where am I listening to that? On YouTube. Oh, good idea. So if you looked at the stats, <laughs> I probably would be averaging more than 14 to 20 minutes of YouTube a week but in terms of conscious <laughs> consumption 14 to 20 minutes anyway well, should we talk about thank goodness we got that cleared I was actually wondering how we're going to get through this pod without <laughs> knowing your fucking screen time <laughs> um, but yeah so game 7 finished between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat and what a game Fuck! Prob- what a bad game. Yeah, it was, um, it was an affront to Boston. Oh, I know that, that's 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 a vanilla take. But fuck, you know, uh, after we finished the the four man wave plus Marco last week, all you guys left, and I was talking to my housemate, and he goes, "You guys just kept slagging off the conference finals because he's not a basketball fan." And he goes, "Was it really? Are they really that bad?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty shit. Like this is like." This is supposed to be Steve Nash versus Tim Duncan or like Kobe Bryant versus Steve Nash. I don't know why there's two Steve Nash examples. Like hey, you know, Golden do. State versus Go Kevin Durant. Like there's yeah. this should be like oh, there's like James Harden trying to get over the hump against Golden State again. This should be like the the arguably better than the finals sometimes. Um and we are not getting that at all. And it's not like we're not getting game sevens in clutch minutes. Like we're getting clutch minutes in this game seven. No one's just able to score. Um, so should we start with the end of the game and that whole semi-collapse by the Boston Celtics? And, and Bill Simmons on his on his post-mortem pod said that if the Celtics had had ended up losing this game um, after being up 10 points with like a minute 20 left, um, he goes, this might have been the, the biggest collapse in Boston Celtics um, franchise history, which is like, hold on, we're actually very close to actually watching that. Well, it might have been the biggest collapse in recent NBA history. They yeah. were... It was they were up thirteen points and three minutes left, and they were still up seven with a minute ten left, mm. and and it got it got down to two points. But before that, they were up three two, yeah. and then for them to lose two games, yeah. and then what? Well, it was it was a hundred to to ninety six or, or whatever the final score was. But what are your thoughts on the the Jimmy Butler shot to go to to go for the kill and go to win the game while at home? I think it was undoubtedly a bad shot because Jimmy doesn't really shoot that shot ever mm. 
So I think he took forty three in the regular season. Yeah, but, pull, but pull when, he, when he does shoot threes, he's not creating for himself. He's mm. spotting up and catch and shoot, and he certainly isn't shooting off the dribble threes in transition ever. Like I reckon, you know, if 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 we were uh, more accredited members of the NBA uh, commentariat, maybe we would have access to Second Spectrum. Pull up Second Spectrum. Guarantee that he didn't shoot a non. End oh no, the, sorry. They're forty-three pull-up, uh, pull-up three-pointers on the season. No, I mean, but like, tra- like, 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 pull, pull the numbers up. He didn't shoot. A tra- he didn't shoot a transition, transition one. one. Yeah, it's yeah. like off a dribble in the half court, like step back, step to the side, pull up, whatever. But he's not like that's a shot that like Clay Thompson shoots. Well, m- most other shooting guards shoot, and that's sort of a Jimmy the, thing. The thing that I the the reason why I think it's a bad shot a is that like it's not his shot, but also you had. Is only Horford and him between the rim, and Horford's a great defender, but Horford was backpedaling, mm-hmm. and he's 35 years old, and you're down by two. So I think worst case scenario, you attack. Mm. There were shooters in both corners, so there's not going to be help coming from the corner. Mm. It's one on one with Horford who's backpedaling. Worst case scenario, probably you get fouled. You go to the line. He's an 85 percent free throw shooter. Yeah, make both and tie it. Bad shot, but at the same time, like your best player just has to have license to take a bad shot. Yeah, especially at the end of the game, like Jimmy Butler is the reason why they were in the series. If Jimmy Butler is going to take the last shot, you just have to kind of like live with whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a good shot because of what you said. Like, if your best player gets a wide open look, like you know, you say El Horford was backpedaling and maybe should have, he should have capitalized on that, but like he was backpedaling away from the three point line. Like all in all, it was an open shot. Um, and look, if he if he gets the two pointer, like if he just dribbled it out, maybe he didn't like what he saw at the rim. Dribbles, dribbles it back out. Like that that run and that all the momentum was gained throughout the whole game was just like they weren't good shots. Like it was two Max Struess fading threes that weren't quality shots. It was one um, pick the pocket of someone, but Oladipo picked the pop- pocket and obviously got a wide open dunk. But like they weren't. This offense without Tyler Hero wasn't generating good looks at the basket, and like if well, they weren't able to generate really good looks with Tyler Hero anyway. Yeah, but Boston's but you know like, what I mean. Yeah, they were. That was just another creator that they were down. The Boston is that good defensively. They're like Tyler Hero. Their offense was shit all. Yeah. Um, but like you know if the, the the offense isn't creating good shots and that was a good shot sort of one in the hand two in the bush that was a good shot right there and yeah. it's like maybe if we dribble this out for 20 seconds we don't get a good shot if I was coaching Jimmy Butler I'd you know like and I had the ability to like he's wearing a, like a bluetooth earpiece <laughs> and I'm talking to him and he's dribbling down but I don't like don't shoot that three like go to the basket mm. but it's not the case and like you just have to Put the ball in your best player's hands and be prepared to live with the live with the outcome. So mm. I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. I'd be like, you know, that's completely chill. Um, but I think uh, maybe like worrying signs for the Celtics mm. in terms of just like being able to get it done down the stretch. They struggled to put the heat away in a few of those games during that series, mm-hmm. struggling to actually like you know step on the jugular. Uh, when it's like a close game in the second half, and then this was this was like not not an overstatement to say one of the most stark late game collapses that we've seen, like to be up thirteen with three minutes left, and to be in complete control, the other team is having like one of their worst offensive games and to like sputter it away. And like you said, there are a couple of like off balance threes, but there were like turnovers and miss shot after miss shot. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart coughed the ball up like four times mm. in the last three minutes and didn't hit any shots. Well, Marcus Smart took 22 of them. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Brown, um, I think it was he who Oladipo stripped. Mm. Um, and then he had the, the elbow to the face of Bam, which I think is the worst. The worst mm. rule in basketball is that rule where someone is going to the rim and they elbow the defender in the face. Mm. If Jalen Brown jumps and Bam Adebayo's head is at elbow height when Jalen Brown jumps, like he can't like not have his elbows where yeah, his elbows yeah, yeah. are. Like he wasn't clear, clearly wasn't trying to hit Bam. Like if you, if he's going in like the normal path of a layup, the normal motion of a layup, and his elbow just happens to hit someone in the face. Guess what? Yeah, it's yeah. basketball, and, and it was the normal path um, of a layup. Like he he did everything right. I don't think that was a foul. I was rooting for a foul because it was interesting to see the game yeah. get close. But that it's so hard. And like, I think I like I think it was I think it was a foul according to the way that the rule is 
adjudicated, but I don't think the rule should be adjudicated that way because mm. it puts an, un, an unfair onus on the offensive player to consider the defensive player's well-being. Mm. Whereas, like, if Bam doesn't want to potentially get hit by an, an elite athlete hurtling towards the rim, mm. uh, then he, do, he doesn't have to jump. He can make the business decision and say, I'm not jumping. But he, he does. You know, it's like, the, it's like the defender in soccer that's like, fuck, man, like, I really have to throw myself into this challenge to stop this guy from getting a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And I'm going to do it and throw myself into a situation that's potentially injurious to me. Mm. And if I, if I, if I get hurt or the striker's studs, you know, like when we go down, the striker's studs like pressing to my quad or my calf. Mm. Yeah, it's gonna hurt, but it's just the cost of doing business, and it it, it, sh- it shouldn't be. Jail- like Jalen Brown in that instance can't be responsible for Bam's well-being when he's not doing anything to risk Bam's well-being. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, Worst rule in basketball other than the take foul, IMO. <laughs> Final note you've got here. Um, you've written down the death of basketball question mark. What do you mean by that? Well, I just mean like what a shit game. What a shit like, game. Like it, it truly was a really bad game. And like Miami struggled so much because Lowry played really bad. Bam mm. was like good, but not as good as they needed him to be. Also, look at the ring. Like he's a good yeah, shooter. Yeah, he's a good yeah, mid-range for sure. Shooter. He would, aside from that one game, game three, I think it was like mm. he really wasn't aggressive. And I was like, brother, you're you're <laughs> literally been an all star. Yeah, you're on a max contract. Like, I have more. Was Bam an all star last year? Wow. Yeah, I, I believe all, you. I think he was an all star last year. Um, I have more aggression than that, <laughs> and I'm a I'm a famously pass first guard, one, one time all star. Um. <laughs> You famously are. Famously, but I'm looking at the rim more than Bam. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, the, this is a Bam thing moving forwards for the Miami Heat. And we'll talk at the end of this podcast what's next for the Miami Heat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just realized I didn't have any point to make off there. Do you want to talk about the NBA Finals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you want to talk about the NBA Finals. So the Boston Celtics did win this ugly Game 7, even though we're talking about all the ways that they could have lost. Um, so they'll be facing the Golden State Warriors in a best of seven, and the winner will become the NBA champion. For the Golden State Warriors, it could be quite a heavy number. Um, <laughs> Boston Celtics, it could be quite a heavier number. Um I'll start off by saying that Marcus Martin and Al Horford, are, I think they're guaranteed to play. Um, obviously, with Al Horford, you have to chuck in the asterisk of he could get COVID at any moment. Same with Jalen Brown. Um, with Golden State, Andre Iguodala, Gary Payton Jr. and Otto Porter Jr., um, Gary Payton II and Otto Porter Jr., they've all been training um, every couple of days, but you're shaking your head. Um, but they are game time decisions for game one. Just crazy that this bloke broke his elbow. Hmm what feels like three weeks ago and now he's like yeah I can probably just play yeah yeah. it's like he doesn't make many of his threes already and he doesn't get guarded from three because of that Yeah, but like he makes one maybe two a game if it's a really important Still game dribble the basketball at some point <laughs> well <laughs> no surely the no, dribbling motion can't be very good for your yeah el- for your elbow like on your left is, is he a lefty I don't know Luckily, he's not actually crucial in this series. Like, if we had gone against yeah. the Dallas Mavericks or the Phoenix Suns, yeah. it's like, we need a guard defender, and he would have been an excellent option on a Chris Paul or a Luka Doncic. So, like, you know, he's not it's not essential that he plays in this series, but Andre Iguodala and Otto Porter Jr. are, because as soon as they don't play, it's like, okay, you're missing out on Andre Iguodala. Like, he's a minimum guy for a what's, reason. But what's Andre... What's, what's, what's he, his injury? Um, he had a... Like a vertebrae in his neck, and how long has he been out for? Since game two of the uh, of the Denver series. Okay, like he actually popped out a disc or something and in his neck. Question that's going to sound like a bit of enough question, <laughs> but I, I like I mean it. Is Andre Iguodala still good? Is Andre Iguodala um, worthy of being considered the way that you just said, where it's like he's essential at 36 with limited mobility and talk about a bloke that doesn't want to look at the rim <laughs> that bloke you, you you give him a layup and he's not taking it I, I think I mean Otto Porter Jr. is ahead of him in the lineup but you know Andre Iguodala is the guy that if you've got a crucial inbounds he's taking 100% of the time yeah yeah um, he's the guy that you're going to throw on Jalen Brown uh, J- uh, Jason Tatum for mm. five minutes of the game like but the whole thing is that when he's out there you know you're going to get good playmaking you're going to get good defense and that's just what it is that's such a a quantifiable commodity but as soon as he doesn't play it's like hold on Jonathan Kaminga 
Damien Lee. Like as soon as you go down to that that next guy up, it's like a bit more volatile. You would much rather just have five minutes of Andre Iguodala. Now, yeah. obviously, like Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, they're all hopefully going to be playing forty plus minutes in this series, right? It's just it's just what you do when you try and win basketball games. So Iggy's role is small, but yeah, Otto Porter Jr. who left with like a foot injury in in, in Game Five very worrying because like yeah the alter the alternative there is Kaminga who Steve Kerr hasn't trusted to to play in these playoffs and really much throughout the regular season or dare I say Nemanja Bialica so I, I hope they're yeah. healthy but yeah. all in all I don't think it factors in too much so that that's that's the injury picture hit picture heading into the game but what are what are some of the matchups let's start off you you tell me a matchup that you want to talk about well I I, I won't start off with the matchup but I'll just follow on the back of what you said I almost wonder if it's gonna like if there's potential in in having having a weak link defensively will that encourage Tatum and Brown to go ISO heavy well, against the weak link mm. because I almost feel like that is extremely beneficial for Golden State because if you can go ISO heavy and make them make them take long twos <coughs> deep twos uh, that's better for your offense and if they're like you know playing against like say like a Kaminga or like a Lee and they're you know bigger bigger and stronger and, and gonna, smarter going to take them down in, down into the areas closer to the basket mm. rather than settling for those contested mid-ranges like the whole strength of the interior of, of, of the defense for Golden State is knowing when to help how to help mm. how to how to help and recover um, being able to slide over and get some rim protection from either Looney Green or both it's just like if you can kind of almost like put their deliberate weak link out there and say attack this and and, and if they're going to fall into it because you fucking know Tatum will fall into it for a little bit mm. you, you the bet that you have is like is Tatum going to score 50 going against like a weaker defender or is Tatum going to shoot 42% on long twos and yeah. we're just going to execute on the other end alright I've got two and a half things to say there okay. the first time is you're right like two and a half things to say that was a <laughs> Charlie Sheen uh, Charlie Shane sitcom. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so that the Jason Tatum did do this, uh, and he did it against Max Struess and Duncan Robinson, it. and he loves it, right? He frothed it. You know yeah. who else? You know who else frothed it? Jalen Brown, Kobe. <laughs> Kobe frothed it. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, so so Jason Tatum did love doing that, and I was actually writing an article about him this morning for Nug Love, just talking about the defense in the playoffs. And I was like, I just assumed that everyone in that Boston Miami series had a bad series, but I was looking at Jason Tatum's numbers, and he was like shooting well above the league average for a regular season true shooting. Like he was actually putting the ball in the basket, and it was it was good, right? Um, and he averaged twenty five points and five point six assists while doing it, right? So he's like, he's actually he Not was doing numbers. a very good job. Um, so that's him, and like the the whole game plan was like, all right, Struce's man comes screen. Oh, didn't get it. Struce's man comes screen. Didn't get it. Bloody blah. Mm. And like, yeah, you say, okay, let's say Bealitz is out there for five minutes. Like that's just going to be five straight minutes of scoring. But yeah. thing is, where where we've already got a weak link because Jordan Poole has just doesn't try on defense and isn't good at defense. Mm. So we're like, there's already going to be this question where it's like, is Jordan Poole playing 20 minutes this series? Like, you know, mm. everyone's saying, oh, Jordan Poole's averaging 18.5 points in the playoffs. Like his first playoffs, like he's so fearless. He's so essential to everything that the, the Splash Brothers do because he's just another guy who can shoot just as well as them. But he's he can't defend. Um, and when he gets in foul trouble, he doesn't even try to defend. He's very much like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, so it's like... Yeah, you can just talk about like, oh, weak link if Iggy's not playing. But there's already going to be a weak link out there. And I don't think Jordan Poole is going to be playing 30 minutes a night unless he's scoring so much more. Mm. Um, and this, like, we're going to ask some more questions before we get into this playoff, into this final series. But there, that's one of the major questions I see what Steve Kerr is doing. Because Steve Kerr, throughout the whole dynasty and even this series, which is very much different to the past few teams, he's always defaulted to defense. He's always said, I would rather start Wiggins if I have to get rid of someone. You know, yeah, because start. you know when the chips are down that Steph and Clay will be able to compensate. Yeah. Um, so he's always defaulted to defense. And if if it is the case where Jordan Poole isn't scoring enough um, 
going against the best defense in the whole entire world while also getting picked apart by these taller wings. It's like, yeah, he might. this might not be the series for him. And if so, are we going to score enough? Because we've been the best playoff offense this whole entire playoffs, which is amazing. And you wouldn't expect that given the regular season, which, okay, we haven't been fully healthy during the regular season. But is part of that because Poole has been so excellent against, you know, Denver's poor defense and then Dallas just doesn't have great individual defenders like I wonder where where the rubber meets the road on that one yeah I I I just think you'll be able to get enough from like your main four guys and I'm not even including Paul in that because I think that he will be a bit volatile and there might be he might have a game where you know he's scoring that well and he goes for 35 but there also might be games where he doesn't even get to 20 minutes and he gives you 12 points or whatever Mm. but between Clay Steph Wiggins and throw Draymond in there as well if he can get you 10 points a game you'll be happy between those three plus Draymond like you get 65 points easy and then you just got to figure out how you're going to get the other 40 from the other the other five guys or four guys that you're playing mm. um which which you know on a night to night proposition is not like the most reliable thing in the world but more often than not i think they'll be able to get to 110 points mm. and like even despite the matchup problems that having a, an offense reliant on smaller guards uh you know, presents for these bigger wings. I just don't have that much faith in Boston as an offensive vehicle. Yeah. Because I just... Tatum, you, you read his numbers before, sounds amazing. His, his, his default mode is just ISO long two. ISO long two. And sometimes those shots go in. Like, we, we saw DeMar DeRozan's mid-season spurt for, you know, 30 games where those shots were going in all the time. But mm. often they don't. And over a seven-game series against Good D mm. with, you know, packing the paint, with Looney and Draymond waiting if he decides to drive, like, I think he's just going to settle yeah. more often than not. And I'm not confident that he's going to settle and shoot 50% on them. I, I think he's going to settle and shoot 40% on them. And, mm. like, the... The other thing, like Jalen Brown has a bit of that in his locker as well. He's not as good of a mid-range shooter as Tatum. Mm. But they both love to ISO. They both have real sloppy handles. So them ISOing, I just kind of feel like is not a problem unless they're going to score 50. Yeah. Because if they're not scoring 50, they're going to get an inefficient 25. And an inefficient 25, if I could put that on the table right now, you'd 100% take it. Yeah, yeah. Like every single game, like they both get 25, but they both shoot 40%. Done, mm. you're taking it. Because mm. the more they're encouraged to like multiple dribbles, five, six dribbles into traffic or against a, you know, against a good matchup defender, like there's going to be turnovers, there's going to be opportunities to get out in transition. I'm just like not that worried and then, but but also you also got to factor in like what these two dudes are probably going to get the Luca defense, which is like brilliant with with what Steve Kerr did, where it's just like one possession you're like fine, Looney switch hard. The next possession, Looney don't. We'll have this. We'll have the guys getting screened fight over. Next possession, we'll start with Clay Thompson just to see if maybe you think you can overpower him. Or next possession, we'll start like. Fucking Kevon Looney was running down the court, tagging Jalen Brunson in game five. And I was like, holy shit, like 5D chess, chestnut checkers. Like it actually, (laughs) it's actually right there in front of us. And everyone laughs at me for saying it. But like Jason Tatum did this against a set defense that was very, very, very good, right? They've got very big, good, big defenders in Bam Adebayo and PJ Tucker. And obviously Jimmy Butler's a... A great defender, but like Jason Tatum for seven games was just like, all right, where's the white shooter? Call a screen, didn't work. Call another screen. Okay, where's the white shooter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Duncan <laughs> Robinson and Max Struess. <laughs> um, just and, in light of recent events. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, you could say that every day of the year. Yeah, well, yeah, in that absolute mess of a country. <laughs> Sorry to any, sorry to the thirteen percent of American listeners that we have, but it's true. So, like, um, yes, Jason Tatum was scoring well against good defense. He probably will score well against good de- good defense as well. But uh, I'll I won't let you rebut on that. I'll actually butt in and say, what's um? Oh, dude, your eyes just widened. Well, do you, do a, you want to rebut? rebut? Okay, go no, on. No, 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 you, you don't want to let me. No, I was just gonna say, <laughs> just gonna say, Miami in the second half of that series would would blitz Tatum on picks. Um, on, on, on any any screens where he was the ball handler. And they'd also double early and double high up the court, mm. which means, all right, you know, how does he get to that 5.6 number? Not because he's taking people up off the dribble, getting into the paint, kicking it out. It's just because he's getting doubled and then moving it to the open shooter, 
which when you give when you when you get the ball out of his hands you can mitigate his scoring potential but when when the next pass is easy mm. when he can just make a one two pass and you get an open shot out of it it's like defeats the purpose essentially um i mean so maybe you'd rather ride with you know like getting giving so and so shooter uh an, a, a semi-open three yeah. rather than Tatum taking any shot sure Golden State is not gonna like mix it up and bring doubles and like force a ball out of his hands and then just concede an open corner three mm. that's not that's not gonna happen because with the exception of Poole and then guys who aren't gonna factor in as much like Kaminga Lee everyone else is really fucking smart mm. everyone else knows like schematically what they're doing and just has like the feel on the court of okay like if we're gonna double him here like Jamon's like okay he's been doubled up there by by Steph and Clay or by you know Wiggins and Clay whatever's happening I'm defending Rob Will who's like in the dunker spot but I know that the next the next pass in the sequence is going to the corner like that corner shooter mm. is not getting that shot off and Jamon's saying Whoever's behind me, rotate over, he's going. Like the 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 Golden State Warriors are so much more intelligent on a player by player basis than even the Heat were. Like even with Butler, Lowry and Bam out there. Like mm. it's it's not really comparable. Um that's my thoughts. You can you can buddy. <laughs> um so that that brings me to my next question because yeah Jason Tatum had a good passing series right so he averaged those 5.6 assists but he also turned the ball over 4.7 times a game and some of them were dribbling off the feet which we're going to talk about soon but some of them were he's getting he's getting trapped and he's trying to do those overhead Steph Curry passes and it doesn't always work right um do you if you're Steve Kerr would you sprinkle in a little bit of Leave Marcus Smart open. See what happens. Would you sag off Marcus Smart, who against a good defense last series was shooting thirty six percent from the floor and twenty starts with a two, Dante twenty nine percent from the three point line? Would you would you dare Marcus Smart to beat you early on? Not schematically, I don't think. But if it's become apparent that Marcus Smart's having a bad game, uh, I wouldn't be overloading. Yeah. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be trading him like a I wouldn't be trading him like a capital S shooter and mm-hmm. saying you got to get out to that three if that's open. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he can be his own worst enemy sometimes. Uh, where if he's if he's shooting poorly from three, he'll either continue to jack them and miss, which is what we saw in in Game Seven against Miami in the fourth quarter, or mm-hmm. he'll overcompensate the other way and like get an open three and then just drive into traffic with a little bit of an erratic drive. Now mm-hmm. he's got a he's got a tighter handle than than the two Jays, but <laughs> he does love driving into a contested lane and being six foot four and trying to like force up a, like a vomit layup. Mm-hmm. So I would I to answer your question, I wouldn't like bake it into the scheme, but I would say. If we're in the second quarter, if we're halfway through the second quarter and it's pretty obvious that he's over five but he's still being aggressive, then it's like, okay, yeah. don't help, see what happens. Yeah. Because if, if he hits two if he hits two threes and, and like, you know, the T D garden's going crazy, just change it. Mm. Change it back and say, Alright, like, you know, we tried, we thought maybe he'd miss him. But if he doesn't, like he's not a player that lacks for confidence and sometimes that manifests as having the wherewithal to stop shooting. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he he might just keep going, which we've seen. So, yeah. um, my 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 overall approach to this would just kind of be like, you just want to stick a carrot in front of both big wings, and just entice them to lean into their worst habits, mm. knowing that if they even if they are successful at their worst habits, that's gonna mitigate yeah. like their offensive potential. Yeah. I want Tatum to be icing and shooting long deep twos. I want Jalen Brown to be taking four, five, six dribbles and trying to get into the teeth of the D. And yeah, knowing yeah. that, like, you know, you mentioned the feet before, knowing that ball's going to hit foot at some point. Um, all right, let's talk about the other side of the ball, which is Golden State when they're trying to score, because you are going against the best defense in the world right now. Um, and 
they've got two they're, they're usually going to be playing two big men at all time that'll be one of the Williams and Al Horford obviously you can mix those three around and they've just got pretty much you know the triangle of big men right there you've got Grant Williams who wants to switch he's really mobile you've got Rob Williams who probably doesn't want to be involved in the pick and roll at all he'd rather just help over and just be an incredible help defender when his fucking meniscus works and then Al Horford who's you know traditional sag big but he's also you know smart enough to know when to hedge out hard and, and, and recover right and he's also like you know, like he's, yeah, he's big and he's 35 years old, but he's actually surprisingly light yeah. in a lot of those. Nimble like, is some of the yeah. words people have used on him. Yeah, um, uh, and in a lot of those like defending away from the rim situations, like he's not as much of a uh, a target as, as one might think. So they've got those guys, but they also have Derek White and Jalen Brown and to an extent Marcus Smart. Um, who probably are the, alongside Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday, are the best defenders at getting over a pick and defending from from behind. Now, Steph Curry has faced doubles every time he calls for a screen. Um, I don't know whether he will all the time this series. For the past three series, he did he he did meet a, a double team. But when you've got someone like Derek White, who's just tenacious getting over screens, and even if the screen gets him, like he in the in the most recent series, he had like two come from behind blocks, and like this is factoring in the fact that he had a baby in like game three and didn't play every single game baby of the series. Hendrix. Baby Hendricks, um, no, 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 that's Rob Williams' baby. So like <laughs> you've got these great these great recovery defenders coming into Steph. So Steph, who is having a yeah, uh, he's not his best three-point shooting um, playoffs, right? As he has in the past, he's not just pulling up from the dotted line every single time. Um, but he's he's playing he, he's playing exceptionally at scoring in the paint. Now that's he struggled against Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, in Memphis, who also had lots of aggressive defenders that force turnovers and can really defend from behind, like Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, etc. So what's what's the numbers say, Jamie? I'm still getting there. Still getting there. Um, but. Um, I wonder where Steph Curry's thing that he's he's been able to lean back on is just getting in the paint, drawing fouls, using his noggin, going in there, whether he makes some beautiful layup. If if Robert Williams is healthy after this, just under a week's break before the finals, I'm a lot more worried about Steph Curry being able to get going and then they won't actually have to double him. And all of a sudden, the opportunities that we've been able to create for the past three series, because he gets doubled all the time, are negated because then he's just like shooting mid-range jumpers for the rest of the, for the, rest of the series because Boston's going to welcome that. And you've just got good individual defenders on him there, or we have to try and find a way to create offense elsewhere. But then that, that's him on the ball. Him off the ball, I think he's going to be able to defeat any defender. But what do you think? I just think that if you play a really aggressive style with him on the ball and you are like blitzing the pick and rolls or you're bringing the early double and he tries to get a screen, you kind of like allow the possibility that Golden State can flow into Steph on the ball to Steph off the ball. Because mm-hmm. if you bring two people and Steph gets rid of the ball quickly and then relocates, he's literally the best like relocator and shooter in the history of the game. Like mm-hmm. there's no one better than giving up the ball and finding the exact soft spot where the D is not going to get you and just like jacking up a three. Mm-hmm. So that's hard work to be 35 feet from the rim, give the ball up and then run around a couple of screens and take a three. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll take a lot of energy from him. And he's 34 years old. He's, you know, like needs the energy to like just hold up on D it'll it'll be tough but I think that does present an opportunity where he can run around screens with his defender not only trailing but substantially trailing mm-hmm. and once he gets the ball back if he's open you just shoot the three he'll shoot 10 threes a game and mm-hmm. that's what you want and you know what if he gets the ball back and Boston plays good rotation D then it's all of a sudden Steph in an on-ball situation against the defender who's not supposed to be defending him. Mm. Then a couple of dribbles at the rim, kicking, yeah. you know, like kick, like I, I just think that, and that's where it helps to have Pool out there who's so good off the catch and off the dribble. Yeah. The I, only the only problem with Pool is that he'll absolutely cook the fuck out of his defender, but in his brain he goes, maybe I can get him a couple more times. Yeah. And you'll see these ones where like he'll just absolutely kill Maxi Kleber, then he'll get him on the up fake, and he'll come back, and then the crowd's going nuts, and he goes, maybe one more time. Yeah. And by the time that's happened, Maxi Kleber's like. Dude, you're just going to fucking do it again. And yeah. then all of a sudden he's lost his advantage. Yeah. But keep going. So once he creates it, it's for, for other players. Yeah, I just I just think that, that like in that situation, if, if they're prepared to work hard and like lean into that, they can they can counter by getting Steph going around those screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he gets the ball back, like I said, it's either it's either jacking up a three, which, which you love because it's an open three, mm-hmm. or he's attacking against a scramble D, 
um, with guys potentially not sure where they're supposed to be, with guys trailing, with guys in matchups that are disadvantageous. So I, I just have, I just have like you know maybe it's different. We we probably come at it from a largely similar point of view, but because you're actually a Golden State fan, you have such a different connection with this guy than I do. You you probably have this belief as well, but maybe a little bit more caution, dare I say. <laughs> but I just believe in Steph in the finals. Like I just think that he's gonna get this done. I think that no matter what the what what the 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 D throws at him, like he's just gonna be able to put up monster numbers and do it well. Like you know, that's that's why I love basketball because I just got goosebumps. Like mm. this is. And this leads into my next point so well because we're talking about tactics and eye test a little bit here, but let's let's go a bit vibey here. Like, what what I do you <laughs> what do you think about this as a legacy Steph Curry series for him to get that last trophy he needs to complete the fucking <laughs> gauntlet of yeah. every trophy? So what this would be this would be four. Well, this this be four titles. Yeah, this be four titles, but his first Finals MVP. Yeah, which has eluded him. Yeah. Um, like, and this this is a series where he has been the best player on the court. He's obviously won the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals award, but he has been the first be- warrior to win that. First warrior to win that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, more than um, more than LeBron James, actually. Yeah. Can I say there's a really good article in Five Thirty Eight where they retroactively went back to every single series and and, um, and did it and did it, um, and then they factored in you know if it went to seven games, like you know the Jimmy Butler effect. Would you give it to a guy who was that good enough on the other? Yeah. I think they gave it to the the opposite team like four times throughout yeah. um throughout history. Anyway, um, yeah, Steph Curry, if he is going to make these shots, which you're talking about, how which many, which should how be many, well, who had the most? Uh, you can't like, tell me that and then not give me the well A spoilers but B is like Michael Jordan LeBron James yeah um, Kobe Bryant yeah. Jerry West that sort of shit but Kobe Bryant R.I.P. <laughs> Jerry West stay healthy <laughs> um, so yeah legacy for Steph Curry like he he has got heaps of wide open shots in the playoffs like he just knows how, where to get the ball and how to get the ball and, and if, to your to your point before just, just I, I did end up pulling out the numbers he shot 32% against the Grizzlies. But he actually shot 40 and 43% in the other two series. Yeah. So he's... One not of them is the Denver series. He, well, one of them is the Denver series, but, but you know, like he's not, not in as much of a slump from, from deep. I mean, I mean really, appears. quite a dominant run. Five games, six games, five games. Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely dominant. Um, <coughs> obviously, there's a bit of like the Phoenix Suns from last year effects going on where you play like the Denver Skeleton crew that was always going to be an easy series and was it? yeah three games without Jar as well like that's that's pretty good well they're they're a much better defensive team without Jar they they are but I don't think you can make the case that they're a better team despite that game four hey or five I'm a Warriors fan let's, let's, let's not discount anything where they despite that game four or five performance where they almost won and then they were like you know what we should do <laughs> Give the ball to Jaron Jackson Jr. Three times in a row. <laughs> Fuck, let it go. Hashtag <laughs> Jenkins out. Um, in terms of this as like a Steph Curry legacy game, legacy series, I'll qualify my future statements and just say like, he doesn't need anything to add to his legacy. Like his legacy is like set. Mm. And I don't think the lack of finals MVP... Um, accolades actually is that big of a deal like yeah, obviously yeah. you know like your TNTs of the world will be like whoa well you never did it in well, the I, did, I did say let's talk vibes the vibes are like he's performed well in finals before it's never been like he's been dead weight it's just that one time he was one time Andre Iguodala won it when he shouldn't have yeah so if that if the correct decision had been made, like it would have gone to LeBron, not Steph, anyway. Yeah. And the other two times he was playing with Kevin fucking Durant, yeah, yeah. who was playing against a team that had no one like sized to defend him on yeah. any level. Like yeah, it literally yeah. was a fucking, it literally was a fucking practice run for him. Mm. And he rightfully, you know, averaged thirty five and got the MVP. Like it's no shame to be the second best player on a team when Kevin Durant is mm. the best. Mm. Um, and I mean that's an interesting legacy conversation like is, is Steph a better player than Kevin Durant like when you when you stack up like the all time greats but in terms of this series specifically like if if they're going to win they're going to win because of the impact that Steph has yeah. if that means that Steph averages 35 sick 
he'll get the award. Mm. But if Steph averages 23 and he doesn't shoot amazingly, but they still win, they'll be winning because Boston has single-handedly like decided to stop him. Mm. Like he's the focal point of the game plan. Mm. So if everybody else is thriving because Steph is like being targeted, then that's kind of the point. Yeah, you know, like that's yeah. that's good. So him being like you know the, above the tree jumpers view, him being the best player on this team for the last 10 years, mm. them going to the finals six times and potentially winning four chips. Like, that's the legacy. Like, you don't have to then go on, like, a game by game and go, well, actually, you know, push the glasses <laughs> up and go, well, actually, you know, if you look at, like, the series on, like, a minute level, like, no, you don't need to look at anything on a minute level because this guy has had such an excellent, sustained run of being not only the best point guard in the NBA, but being, like, the, the leader of the first real dynasty that we've seen in... 20 years since the Shaq and Kobe Lakers you know like that's that's the legacy like this series regardless win or lose like Steph's probably a top 20 player all time like like right now Mm. um what do you think being a little bit like more like being a little bit emotionally closer to it what do you think about this as a legacy game uh, I, I agree with everything you said it is it is quite annoying when you see yeah TNT inside the NBA all, all those guys where it's a, you know Stephen A. Smith where it's like but he hasn't got this one shiny piece of trophy and it's like yeah he gave up things to try and bring in Kevin Durant and make things easier for him and, and obviously everything that happened there um yeah, uh, look, uh, I don't want to add too much to what you said. You you said it well. Uh, let's move on to predictions. What's, uh, who's going to win the NBA championship this Ooh, season? You've, you've written in my run sheet for me that I'm a, I'm a big stinky <laughs> butthead poo-poo. That's weird. And I would just like to push back against that as my official prediction. <laughs> I think it's Golden State in six. Well, when we spoke about this two weeks ago when the conference final started, I said Golden State will lose to Boston in six games. Um but I've, I've revised that prediction. Um, we here at the Deep 2 love a revised prediction. <laughs> we also love accountability. We do love accountability. So when I say Golden State in five, I'm ready for that to be proven wrong. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Oh, love this energy from you. Golden State is undefeated at Chase Center in these playoffs. Yeah. They are, what, 12-0 and zero or 13-0? and zero. Golden State has home court advantage. Home court advantage this series. They are the more experienced team, and I'm I'm putting a lot of stock in this um, five game win, in the fact that if Golden State wins the first two games at home, all of a sudden it's a two zero series. And yes, Phoenix Suns lost while being up two zero, but Phoenix Suns have lost while being up two zero multiple times in a row. But anyway, it is. uh, it would be very, very hard to ask the young upstart Boston Celtics, who it's their first time being here, to come back against a team that has already been, you know, embarrassed after a, after a upset defeat, being up in an insurmountable lead. Right? Um, this this team, if they can if they can smell blood in the water, they're just going to do it, and they're just going to finish it. I think the the biggest the biggest win this whole entire you know year two years for this golden state team was to go into dallas last series in game three and just cop all the blows from a from a game that no one thought they were going to win everyone had the stats where it's like when dallas loses by 10 plus or more they're 58 and 7 right um golden state went into dallas assumed to lose no one would have blamed them for losing they didn't roll over they went in and they won game three it's like this this team just knows exactly how to win. Steph, Clay, Dre, they know how to win. They haven't lost a series while the three of them have been playing on the court together. Um, actually, there was... No, there wasn't one because Draymond missed game six. Um, <coughs> I'm going Golden State in five games. And also, I think the West might be very, very, very much better than the East. Like, you know how we're always talking about that? Where it's like, obviously, the, the West is better than the East. Like, I think there are mitigating circumstances with the East's playoff performance in general, though, because I think... And, and this is something that's been strangely absent from the Sixers' discourse, is like, Embiid missed half the series. Mm. He had a concussion. He couldn't look at his phone. And he broke his finger. And then he came back and, and, and is playing. And it's like, well, you know, like if Embiid is, is healthy, which he hasn't been healthy ever in the playoffs, so take that with the, take that with a tablespoon of salt. But... <laughs> You know, if Embiid's healthy, then the Sixers are a much better team. Who the fuck knows what was going on with Lowry? Is he hurt? Is he old? Like, what's going on there? 
Butler hurts his knee and misses a game here or there. Tyler Hero is out, so Miami probably don't look as good as they as they have looked. Mm. They're definitely like in general. In general, I think that like the the Bulls, yeah, yeah. the Bulls like tier in the Eastern Conference, like like whoever who who finished like Utah, Denver, mm. like the six seven kind of vibe in. Um, in or the five six kind of vibe, like in the West, is better than the five six in the East. But I think that there's mitigating circumstances with those top teams because the other thing as well is like Dallas is not that good of a team. See, I think they are. I think for, I think Dallas is really good, right? Luka Doncic is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Golden State did an excellent job against him, but yeah. then the Boston Celtics had to beat the Miami Heat with like a skeleton crew. You know, you said skeleton crew of Dallas Mavericks, but like they're all healthy. Like this, yeah, they're all healthy. They're just literally are, are like, it's like designed to be. Like Kyle Lowry is like washed or just not not in good shape to play. Tyler Hero wasn't in good shape to play. I don't also, we didn't mention the fact that he's, he ran out there for like two or two or five minutes in game seven and was like, you know what? I actually am not healthy. Yeah. Um, like this, this wasn't a very hard Miami Heat team to beat. Like he was just Jimmy Butler doing Jimmy Butler things, but really like he was making deep twos. He was making contested shots. This wasn't a hard team to beat. I think the West is so much better than the Eastern Conference. Um, and I think we might see that in this series. Yeah, I think we, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we went to, actually, you know, I'd be a little bit surprised if it went to five, but I, I'm not like, I don't even think for a second that, Gone State's gonna lose this because really because like because because most every every podcast I listen to everyone's picked Boston. It's the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors with all of the key pieces from their reign of terror. When they literally were one half, the more successful half of like the the most advanced NBA duopoly since the Lakers Celtics of the nineteen fifties, like mm. no. No period of time in NBA history had you seen four consecutive finals matchups of the same two teams. And they were better than the Cavs by miles in most of those mm-hmm. final series. They've got one of the greatest players of all time, two-time MVP. They've got three of the best shooters in the league. They've got one of the greatest defensive players of all time. They've got one of the best coaches ever. And what's more, you said it before, they've all been there. Every single one of them has been been there and done it and the ones that are like the Otto Porters of the world who haven't actually like won the chip and like gutted it out Otto Porter's been in the NBA for 10 years yeah Andrew Wiggins less so Jordan Poole no but you, but, yeah. but like like their 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 ancillary they're, they're pieces stupid. are older and more experienced and have like been around the block more so than like say like a Derek White or a Peyton Pritchard yeah um, did Derek White win a title no nah. oh yeah no, Derek White would have been like 2016 draft, I reckon. Yeah, you're right. Um, I I just like I'm I'm buying into the the aura of the Warriors, and Boston's going to win games. Like like no 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 team with two All NBA wings, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate at both at both center and guard is going to just like roll over. Yeah. It's not going to be easy for Golden State to get what they want but it's Golden State and they're going up against a team that yes they've played with largely this this assembled crew they've played four uh, like four of the last six Eastern Conference Finals mm. this is the NBA Finals mm. and in in the last you know you talk about the East being better definitely so the West being better definitely for the majority of the seasons of the last six years the West has been substantially better so the vanquished team in the WCF has been far superior to the vanquished team in the ACF so (laughs) that's then this is now yeah but they haven't played as quality an opponent in as high a leverage situation whereas Golden State has literally done this against LeBron James four times they've done Mm. it against fucking Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi Leonard was playing as well as Michael Jordan ever played in an NBA Finals. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's yeah, an obvious thing. You know, they, they, they've done it against literally the most historic performances. And I don't think that as good as the two wings are offensively, defensively, as, as stingy as they are as a unit, I don't think that, that Boston has that level in them. Final question, who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for Golden State. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> because among 
other things, I am magnanimous. I am magnanimous. And even though it has <laughs> vexed me greatly during these playoff runs to see sometimes your self, like your self-conscious like homerism and sometimes your completely unaware really like endearing like moments of like innocent homerism like it's like oh like sean really loves to go and say <laughs> it's been really wonderful but it has been on the back of my own personal experiences uh with these playoffs which shall not be elaborated upon <laughs> um it has been a little bit a little bit vexing and i have asked myself the question of like why not me why him and not me <laughs> God, why? <laughs> but I'm I'm 100 on board with Golden State. I want yeah. good things for you. And that, that too, and Boston. Like Boston don't need more. Well, titles. I'm certainly not rooting for Jason Tatum, who, <laughs> as Marco said in the group chat the other day, is the single biggest clout chaser of all time. <laughs> for people who don't haven't seen it, he he like obviously before Kobe died, Jason Tatum and Kobe had like a special. I'm doing air quotes relationship whatever that means I'm not trying to say that it wasn't a special relationship <laughs> Jason Tatum posted all these celebratory photos after winning the Eastern Conference Finals and the last one on the slide on the carousel on Instagram was a, was a text that he had sent to Kobe's number <laughs> Kobe's phone number Kobe Bryant famously died three years ago <laughs> Kobe Bryant's literally dead and Jason Tatum not only texted the number saying like I got this one for you it wasn't even the title. <laughs> I got this one for you tonight. That's like... Okay, if you're going to do that, like it's your own personal relationship, screenshot it, put it on Instagram, clout chaser. Mm. Me and Kobe had such a special relationship. Like, hey, I did this for you, Kay. Shut up. <laughs> you, like... Is it a Jason Tatum thing or is it like an American thing? Because I feel like... The it well, it might be a Kobe thing as well. But like Devin Booker didn't do this when he won the Western Conference Finals. Devin Booker, who has a special relationship with Kobe Devin Bryant Devin Booker, well. who also is not like known for like his humility and his yeah, like yeah. low-keyedness. Going like Devin, out with Jenner. Devin, yeah, Devin Booker's going out with the Jenner. He arrives at every playoff game in like a $500,000 muscle car <laughs> and he just fucking talks trash to every single person mm. on the basketball court. Mm. Flexes, does all of this stuff, is not even stooping to the levels of Kobe clout chasing that <laughs> Jason Tatum is. So I'm certainly not rooting for Jason Tatum. Mm. Um, but I do want good things for you. I do, I do have tremendous respect for the most dominant team uh, of my basketball life. And you know, if they add another one to the trophy cabinet, I can tell my tell my grandkids that you know I saw this this team that is about to step over the precipice of being even more historically amazing than they already are. Mm. So that's my my pick. Well, how well said. Before um, we okay, you're gonna do this too. Yeah, I'll run out of breath. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> no, you, no, I just did speak a lot. You do it. You do okay. It. Uh, before we, so Lucas Petridis, friend of the program and co-host of the JVG NBA Tribute Show, wrote an article for thedeep2.com. Yes, it's that simple, thedeep2.com. Damn, Is I've it just really put it, I've, I've actually, it's just come up. That's quite quick internet That's as fun. well. Um, he wrote an article talking about how the Dallas Mavericks title window is wide open with Luka Doncic right there, ready to go right now. Um, and you should definitely check it out. It's thedeep2.com. It'll be the first article that you will see. Um and yeah I, I recommend people check it out it's not yeah it's not really a run of the mill off season prep article where it's like oh they need to address this they need to address that um it is obviously like everything lucas writes very well written and he's got a few uh, nice little funny bits in there as well but he also comes up with a solution like he comes up with a literal name of a player a trade to make and ways how, to improve how the i would describe this is like it, it's like if you hooked him up to like a brain receptor software and put him in front of like the Dallas Mavericks open on 2K starting from the off season. <laughs> and like every move that he does like on the 2K just gets like, you know, sent to like an AI computer that like writes it up essentially. Like he actually Im- imagines himself almost as the GM. Like here's what I'm going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Like here are the moves. Um, and, and you mentioned it. Like any Lucas Pace always comes with a certain amount of panache that... Editing it, I just find wonderful. Such an enjoyable reading experience. So, listeners, head over to... Where can we find that article? TheDeep2.com. The dip, that's, that's pretty simple. Head over to TheDeep2.com and um, give Lucas's article on the Mavs a little look-see. 
Uh, final, final point. I think we should uh, get ahead of this as an organisation and the two of us, Dante. But um, yes, I was known for having a public bout with El Horford's sister, Anna oh, Horford. You mentioned that before, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you. So you you made it funny. So yeah, she she lives she live tweets all through the games. Yeah. Um, you know, something something Celtics. You know, it couldn't happen to a greater guy. And then I was sitting there. I'm obviously going for the Miami Heat. Like a, a good friend of mine goes for Miami and I want to see them win. Also, I don't really want to see Boston win. And she just struck me at the wrong timeout where, you know, timeout maybe is a little bit of a Boston run. I'm like, oh, come on, Miami. Like, you know, put the ball in the basket. It was quite frustrating trying to watch them do that. Um, scrolling through Twitter, the best app on your whole entire phone is the Bluebird app. And she comes up and she goes, For me, it's tram tracker. <laughs> so that I can... Especially that's, in this That's weather. a good charm. That's a good charm. But <clears throat> she goes, Al's just playing so hard out there. You know, you can tell he wants to make the finals on his 37th birthday. This is game six, which he ended up losing. But she goes, Scrub. Just seen him play so hard on his 36th birthday. And then I just went, reply, photo reply, scroll through the recent memes I've got. And one of them was just this dude sitting there who's like passed out with glasses on. And he goes, shut up, just shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> really good quality meme. Chuck my phone down because I'm watching the game. Um, and I pick up my phone at the next time out, which is what, 10 minutes or something. And it's just like, you know, I've got... You're blowing up. I'm blowing up. Like blowing up as in 70, 70 likes. 70? Few, a few, every single person that replied to me had a fucking four leaf clover in their username <laughs> as well, and it like might have had the Boston record as like one game to clinch finals, and then yeah. it was just like close up, just like this fucking chubby dude with like yeah. uh, you know, a spotty beard. Yeah, um, I think they're called Boston fans, is that right? <laughs> so then they're all just like, What a shit meme up, fuck this dude. And I'm like, Why are they all like caring? Like, you know, I photo replied to heaps of stuff, and usually yeah. it's just Lucas and Marco who yeah. like it, right? Turns out Anna Horford retweeted me. Um, and do you want me to read it for you? Yeah, and, and and maybe would you describe the emoji that she used as well? Yeah, a small a small pinch. Yeah, the little uh, pinch. Um, so she Anna Horford verified on Twitter goes Sean Carroll semicolon host of the deep two. Now she spelt it with the the numerical two, but for the people out there listening, that's T W A for the deep two. I think that on on the on the bluebird that conveys that it is the deep two, and any interested parties be able to like figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So Sean Carroll, host of the deep two NBA podcast. Dot dot dot. I'm so happy we we <laughs> we made the decision on day one to put NBA in there for SEO purposes. If you purposes. type in the deep two with the number two into Google, it just comes up with us because we fucking we've got this cornered anyway I interrupted you and then she goes I think we could all guess why he's so angry with the essentially with the, little, the little the little midget tiny finger emoji Let, let's call it the small penis emoji yeah it's a small penis emoji um, <laughs> and then everyone's like damn Anna your eyes cold damn whoa don't hold back on him Anna and I'm like oh my god it's more people with four leaf clovers in their fucking username um, so then I replied to her saying Haha, ha. um, you can listen to the Deep Down Both podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you get your daily podcasts, as well as checking out our website, The Deep Two, for in depth feature articles. And then I had a little dog whistle to people who've been like, you know, following the Zach Lowisms for the past 10 years. So it goes, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually that angry because I'm a Swamp Dragons fan, right? Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I do a tiny bit of Jason Tatum clout chasing, she blocks me and then no one can see my little plug. Ugh. A missed opportunity, but a brush with fame nonetheless. Um, <laughs> I like to say I used two minutes of my 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Well, you've hey, still, still got the 13 minutes coming up. <laughs> um, I then tried to comment, like tag her on, on, on Instagram. Um, and it wouldn't let me because it, Anna Horford doesn't allow everyone to, um, tag her. to tag her, which I thought maybe she'd blocked us because I tried to do it from the Deep 2 account. But then uh, the gentleman in the group chat rallied and also tried it out. And apparently she just has her... She's offering such fire takes that she <laughs> restricts the people that can comment on her. Which is fair enough. Because if I was making... I don't know. She make a living out of it. If I was making a living out of running my mouth I think, on NBA I think content, it's her brother who makes a living. Uh, Al Horford. Yeah, right. He plays... <laughs> who's he play for? He plays for Florida Gators. Yeah. Um, anyway, pretty crazy. Like that whole interaction like just makes me <sighs> so humbled to be sitting so close to someone so famous yeah or well, just don't make sure that you're not like Icarus and you don't fly too close to the sun hey I'm still here I'm yeah. still grounded yeah sitting on these Ikea chairs recording a pod on a fucking cold night but um, 
I would just also like to see a Venn diagram of people who call other people's genitalia small and people who you can't reply to. Yeah. And wonder how far intersected that circle is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't even really actually know what that means, considering that she's a woman. Like, <laughs> like are you implying that she has small genitalia no, and she's like she- acting out against you? This because of the size of your genitalia. Well, I, what I, does small genitalia in a woman even mean? Is that a bad thing? <laughs> I I don't know. I've heard people come up with a creative put down um, for small female genitalia, but yeah, you're right. It is it, it podcast appropriate? Because I'd be no, very no, interested no. in it. Maybe you can tell me off air. It didn't I, really land. So okay. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that's that's a great place to end. So t- t- I'll speak to you next week. <laughs> If you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between 8 and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition.